you absolutely have to know today, what am I going to be talking about in five years? And you better start talking about it now if you want people to pay attention. Because right now, people are paying attention when your legs move. And if, you're, and if you don't have something to say out of your mouth now, what makes you think they're going to watch your mouth when your legs are idle? Yeah, true. Mm. Yeah. Right? And so, like, Preach it. Are you to have oh, no. are you? Yeah. Hey, my, hey, my man, on the floor only, right now. It's, <laughs> hey, it's only Tuesday, but we can make it Sunday. <laughs> 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 And welcome to the Darren Woodson Podcast. Uh, I'm Tyler Klutz, joined here by the man, the myth, the legend, Darren ben Woodson. And, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. right. I was about and to say, you, you're lying to the people and, already. And his little friend that hangs on to his belt loop everywhere he goes, Darren Woodson. <laughs> uh, but thanks for joining us today. Uh, we have a really special guest uh, that we wanted to bring on, uh, Rocky Garza. Rocky Garza uh, has focused his mission and his purpose on helping people understand who they are, how they operate, um, and how to maximize the potential that you have. And there's a lot of things that play into that. Uh, but wanted to welcome Rocky Garza on the show. Thank you so much, Rocky, for uh, for coming in. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank Bye. you, guys. Absolutely. It's a no. It's a pleasure to be here and in, uh, in the midst of where we are. And you know, we're, we're coming from coming coming live from the master bedroom. So you guys are getting <laughs> get a real treat today. So I, I know, man. And and you know, thank thank goodness you've got you know the personality that can carry something like this because usually we're all in a room and you know so you know play off the energy of each other. But uh, you're, you've got enough of that energy to uh, translate through FaceTime or Zoom calls. So thanks for coming on, man. Hey, kick us off a little bit with your journey, uh, kind of your background as a kid. And, and how you got to where you're at today in serving companies and people figure out who they yeah. are and at the core of themselves so that they can go do uh, what they're passionate about and what they're meant to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, a couple of things we get started. So one, uh, as you listen to this, you're going to need a, you're going to need a pen and a piece of paper. So make sure you get that. You don't need it Love yet, that. but in about 10 minutes, you're going to need that. So go ahead and get that out. I, I tell people uh, that in every podcast. Hey, get your pen out, get your, get your paper ready. That's so right, I love that that's you right. said that. Yeah, we got, we got the goods for you today. So no, again, thank you guys. I, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to be here. And those of you uh, li- listening in and, and joining us, you know, I appreciate that as well. And so, uh, yeah, to give you give you a little background of how I, how I got here, how I landed here. So again, my name is, is Rocky Garza. Um, I was, I was born, uh, in Kansas, but I only lived there for like a week. So I don't really claim Kansas. So if you're from Kansas, my bad, but I've been in Dallas the rest of the time. Um, you know, to kind of give you the brief of my, my parents got divorced when I was young, when I was two, uh, my dad got remarried when I was seven, um, still married, has two boys. So I have two half brothers, uh, but my mom has been married and divorced, you know, four or five times. I moved a bunch growing up, uh, you know, North of Dallas, pre-kindergarten, Louisville for half a kindergarten, Farmer's Branch for the rest of kindergarten, San Antonio for first and second, the other side of San Antonio for half a third. Farmer's Branch for the rest of third, Carrollton for fourth, Farmer's Branch for fifth, Frisco for sixth, and back to my grandparents' house in seventh grade. So you don't need your pen and paper for that. You can't keep up with that. That's good. I, was, but, I was just about uh, to slow that down. I'm, I'm trying to write this down, man. Yeah, is yeah, that a black so, family? So I, is your family black? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I think I, the reason I say that is because I think for all of us, regardless of whether you're listening, you're 21 or you're 51, I mean, I, I think it's really important for there to be moments in our life where we pause long enough to take an assessment to go, okay, what, what was part of my life like? Because I think our ability to take an inventory of our experience, I really think sets the precedent for our ability to then be able to communicate who we are. And what I say by that is your accomplishments do not dictate your value, your experience, what you have learned and your ability to engage other people in a specific way. That's actually where we begin to see who we are and where we have value. And so mm. for me, very early on, like I, you know, my, 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 I wondered a lot, like, where's my dad and why is he not around and why is he not at my games? And you know, everybody else's dad is here. And, you know, I remember joining Little League for the first time and I didn't get to be on a certain team because I had just moved there and the coach told me I felt like a girl. I threw like a girl. And my mom, like, got out of the stands and was, like, on the field. And she was like, of course he throws like a girl. Like, I'm the one who taught him how to throw. What, what do you expect? You know, like, <laughs> and so, like, I, I, I have these moments as I look at my life going, uh, you know, on the surface, I had everything that I needed, typically everything that I wanted. And in this undercurrent, I think this consistent desire to go, where do I fit? Where do I belong? Um, and without the external cir- uh, circumstance, without there being an external factor to say, hey, Rocky, you fit here, me by myself sitting in my room, it was really hard to attach a place. Where do I fit? Where do I belong? And I think a deeper question of that is, who am I? Be- because for many of us, if not all of us, to some degree, I think our identity is based on our ability to accomplish something and someone else to say, hey, good job. And then we go, oh, that's me. I'm the good job person. I'm the good job guy. And so... You know, I, I, I moved a bunch. I graduated high school. I went to junior college for a couple of years. Um, I transferred to A&M. Uh, 
uh, on a scholarship. I ended up losing my scholarship because I was a fool and I didn't make grades. And I think for the first time in my life, kind of had this moment where I said, uh, you know, I, I got a phone call. Your gar- Mr. Garza, your tuition's due today. You know, and I was like, well, you got the wrong number because I'm on a scholarship. And she was like, well, bro, uh, bro, you didn't make grades. Uh, you don't have a scholarship. And I was like, oh, damn, you're right. Uh, and so, um, but I remember the first time in my life thinking, I haven't talked to my dad in three years. I haven't talked to my mom in two years. I don't have any real, like, real genuine friends because I'm an idiot. I lost my scholarship. I thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And now all of a sudden I had this moment of reckoning of going, if this is what life looks like when you build your entire life living in the middle of your own world, this is not the way that I want to live my life. And I had no context for that. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that I'd been playing the Rocky Garza game up until this point in my life, every single day attempting to say, if I could outwork you, outthink you, outwit you, outschmooze you, outcharisma you, um, outcharacter you, outcommunicate you, then I could find a place and I could have a voice and you couldn't take that away from me because it felt like many other things in my life had been taken away. Now, how old were you at this time? I was 20 years old. Okay, so full of wisdom, old. and you knew you had life figured out at that point. So, I mean, I I pretty much I pretty much was about as complete as you're going to get. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think really as I look back, you know, there's there's gonna be probably a lot of things I'll say that are like, oh man, that seems really smart. And I think what uh, one that's hindsight, right? That's that's what happens when you're 36. You've been married 10 years, and you go to a lot of counseling. You you get a lot of clarity. Uh, but I also think in that uh, sometimes our ability to pause. Like even, even now, like right now where you're driving, listening at home, headphones, whatever, if you would just assess quickly, where am I? How do I feel? And if everybody who gives feelings a bad rap, that's because they're too afraid to think about how they feel. So screw them. Go with me. <laughs> if you'll pause long enough to just say, how do I feel? It'll give you a really clear assessment to where you've been and where you think you want to go. And you will never get there unless you can pause long enough to see where you've mm-hmm. been. And so for me, it was not like, oh, I didn't wake up at 20. I was like, oh, I have the answers. It was like, oh, I got to pause long enough because my life is falling apart. And I got to assess how did I get here? Because the only way I'm going to change where I go next is to assess where I've been. Right. And so if we get caught on, if we get caught on the rinse and repeat cycle, oh, I go out there. I did my thing. Everybody loved me. I got the applause. I went back home. I'm going to wait again. And now, like, put it in full context. There's many people who are not doing the very thing they have done their whole life because our, the government has said, stay home, don't go and don't do anything. And I think there are a lot of us, at times myself included, going, then what exactly am I good at and do I exist for? Because Man, the thing I've done my whole dude, life on rinse and repeat, you, I can't do. You are speaking, I mean, that, that's wisdom because I'm right there with, with you right now is I've learned so much about self. Because I've had time to pause in the last two to two and a half, three weeks. Which, I mean, is yeah. the first real pause you've had in, in I can't remember. Dang near 30 one. years. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, like, like transition before, to transition yeah. to transition. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. now it's the first time. And now I've, you know, Rocky, I can honestly tell you this. I, I don't know how much I really loved myself and really cared about self. Yep. Be, because I just stayed busy to cover up all my failures or things I've, yep. I've been feeling. Yeah. And now it's, a, I'm at a point now where I have no choice, but to, mm-hmm. to sit back and say, okay, uh, how do I hit this reset button? How can I become totally. a better man? Totally. And I think if, and I think if we are wanting to take a step back and we've all been given the opportunity now that literally none of us in our lifetime or even a generation, maybe even two, two generations before us. And now we have never been given the opportunity that we all currently have right now to pause long enough and go, who am I? What does that mean? What will I do? And I'm going to, I'm of the belief it will not happen in our lifetime again. Mm-hmm. So if we're, if we're looking at a 30, 60, 90 day, whatever, however long or short you want to make it to make yourself feel good about having to be stuck at home, however long that window is. And then after, because now, you know, and once you know, you can't ignore it, right? What are you going to be willing to do to ask yourself the questions necessary to assess who you are and what that means before you take your first step out of bed. Because if not, the rinse and repeat and do what I did before is not going to work. Mm. You cannot keep doing what you used to do and assume you're going to get the same result. Because guess what? The entire world has changed. And the world happened for 30, 60, 90, 120 days without us in some capacity. And guess what? The clock kept spinning, the sun kept setting, and it kept rising the next day. So if we don't know who we are and where we fit in that, we're going to find ourselves incredibly lost. And so I'm going to give you these four questions. Here's, here's the, if you're listening, I want to ask yourself these four questions because to your point, Darren, thinking about, okay, do I like myself? Do I love myself? What does that mean? I haven't paused, haven't I? So let's uncover some of those things. Four questions. Number one, what do I think about most? 
I want you to ask yourself the question, what do I think about most? As a human being, not as a professional, what do I think about most? So I want you to start there. We'll tie them all together in a minute, but, but write them down. What do I think about most? Number two, what three things in life do I fear most? And if you're a person who's like, I don't fear anything or I don't fear losing anything, you're a liar. Write three things down. What three things in life do you fear or do you fear losing most? Question three, if you could do two things the rest of your life and be totally satisfied, no rules, no restrictions, you have all the money in the world, you're fine, you're taken care of, but you could just do two things, what are those two things? And then question number four, what is one thing in life you hope to accomplish? Not the one thing, I'm not looking for end all be all. I mean, if you know that, write it down, but I'm assuming we don't. What is just one thing in life you want to accomplish? And here's the reason I ask you those four questions. Because here's how the human brain works. I'm going to let you in a little secret. By secret, I mean pause long enough and you'll figure it out for yourself. Question number one is, uh, what do I think about most? So number one is thoughts. Question number two, what are you three things you fear? That's fears. If I could do two, any, two, two things, what would they be? That's my hopes. And if I could accomplish one thing with that, what's my dream? So what you're going to assess here is your thoughts, fears, hopes, and dreams. Now, don't think in that context. I'll ask you to answer the question, okay? Answer the question. Because here's how your brain works, right? Now, and I'll use myself or I'll pick on somebody to use as an example because I want you to think about it like this. Whatever you think about most in number one, this is how our brain works. Whatever you think about most in number one is directly related to what you fear in number two. Whatever you fear losing, I guarantee you what you think about most every day is related to those things not going away. Mm -hmm. I fear losing my identity. I fear losing my money. I fear losing my influence. And I fear losing mattering to people. So I bet you guess what you think about when you wake up. What am I going to drive? What am I going to look like? Where am I going to go? Who's going to listen to me? Who's going to believe me? Who's going to write me a check? All day, every day, on repeat. Why? Because what you think about most is related to what you fear. So then I go to number three and I go, but if you could do anything, what would you do? What are the two things you do? And typically they're not related to those fears. They're related to if the fear was gone, what would you do? You'd say, I'd quit playing ball because you know what? It's good and it's great and it has great money, but I'm not into it. I really want to spend and dedicate my life because I had a friend who had this thing who did this and I want to support that. If I could give anything, I'd spend my time in front of this or in front of kids or in front of whoever it is. Okay. And then number four, what would you accomplish? You'd say, I want to be a person in my life who has distinct influence that had an incredible impact and left a legacy that far broke any generational curse in my life is what I want to do. Okay, great. So then stop going one, two, three, four and start going four through two, two one. Mm. If what you really want to do is number four, why do you not think about that every day? Why do you not wake up every day and go, how am I going to break the generational curse in my life? You're worried about how someone's going to look at you as opposed to how you're going to be remembered as opposed to the thing that you could leave. And I bet if you thought about number four most, I bet you do more of number three. I'm not saying you don't exercise. I'm not saying don't work out. I'm not saying don't be an athlete. I'm not saying don't do what you got to do to make your check or whatever that is. All I'm saying is, is if that's the thing that you want most, but you don't think about that most, I don't believe you. Because if, if you thought about number four most, you'd do more of number three. And if you did more of number three, you'd be less fearful of two. It would dramatically change what you think about at number one. And all of a sudden you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you go, I think I know who I am. I think I have the ability to figure that out. I think I can set a precedent for who I am and what I'm going to do. Why? Because you're going to spend less time looking out the window and you're going to spend more time looking in the mirror. Mm. Because you're going to stop every day going out there and looking out there, especially now we're at home. You're going to spend less time looking out the window going, what do they have? What are they doing? Oh, I wonder what he has. Oh, I wonder where he went. Oh, I wonder how he does that. Oh, I wonder what they think. Oh, don't they look, doesn't their family look nice on a walk? And I'm saying that there's ever been a time in our life that you could spend less time looking out the window and more time looking in the mirror. That time is now. Because when you see who you are reflected back to you, you cannot lie to yourself. But you spend a lot of time looking out the window and you can make up a lot of stories and a lot of narrative and a lot of lies that do not belong to you. Mm. I spend a lot of time looking out the window going, I wonder where my dad is. I wonder if he's going to pull back in. I spend a lot of time looking out the window going, I wonder what they're doing. Their life looks nice. I bet they went someplace on Christmas that I didn't go. Mm. I spend a lot of time looking out the window, even as an adult going, man, I wonder how come, you know, it's so great going to my in-law's house, but how come my family, I've invited them every Christmas for three or four or five years and said, hey, why don't you guys come to my house and eat the day before Christmas? We did it year one and we're year two, three, and four fell flat. I'm a 35-year-old grown man longing for my mom and dad and my grandma to show up at the same place. Mm -hmm. But you know why that has an effect and even now makes me emotional to go, God, it sucks. It's because every story I told you was me looking out the window, assuming of what could be as opposed to looking in the mirror and being an assessment of what is. And what is, is that my wife is in the next room and I have a four-year-old little boy and an 18-month-old little girl and I've been married for 10 years and we have our own business and yeah, we make a lot of stupid decisions and yeah, the freaking pandemic sucks and yes, we're trying to make it work. But you know what? How wonderful and beautiful and grateful could I be if I looked in the mirror and asked myself, what is, and I had the ability to give a clear and distinct answer because I had a deep conviction about it 
as opposed to looking out the window telling you the story that I think that you want to hear. Where, where does this clarity come from for you? Because yeah, we've got all this time, but most people still aren't sitting there thinking as clearly as you're, you're sitting here and explaining this. What experiences have you gone through that's led you to, to this, these conclusions, these four steps, these four questions? How in the world did you come up with this? So I graduated college. I went to a place called Sky Ranch. It's a summer camp in East Texas. Um, I was a director there for junior high and senior high age kids. For the first time in my life, I remember it was my first summer there. And my boss said, hey, I'm really glad you're here, which is, you know, was the most profound thing anyone's ever said to me, which is part joke and part not joke. Because you're like, yeah, yeah, sounds good, bro. Um, but I remember having a moment where I went back to my room and I was like, that's kind of weird. So I asked him, what do you mean I'm glad I'm here? Like, thanks. I'm trying to do my best. He's like, no, no, you did a good job. I just want you to know I'm proud of you of who you are as a person. I'm really just, I'm just glad that you are here, which it sounds really simple, but I think that begun a dialogue for me where I had this moment of going, have I spent up until this point in my life uh, attempting to outperform my way so people would love me? And I was like, oh man, maybe I have. Like maybe I've spent an exorbitant amount of energy trying to be noticed and recognized. And this dude just says he appreciates me not because of my performance. And I'm not saying performance is not important. I'm a performer, I'm with you. But maybe that's not the thing that actually gives me value. But here's what happened is, I was in full-time ministry for about eight years. And during that time, I kind of pendulum swung the other way. And I thought, well, if it's not for performing, I'll do it. I'll become the ultimate martyr, right? Like I'll become the ultimate sacrificer. And so it's still performant, but now it was for you as opposed to being for me. Mm. Uh, woke up one day and I was engaged to a girl and she said, she called me, she had something to tell you. And I said, great, we're switching from Target to Bed Bath & Beyond. You know, I really <laughs> want that new coffee maker. <laughs> and she said, uh, she said, no, uh, my mom told me that if I didn't call you and tell you that I was sleeping with somebody else, then she wasn't going to put a deposit down on our venue. And I said, okay. But now that I know, she'll put the deposit down. She was like, oh, yeah, 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 it's fine. I was like, okay, all right. Well, <laughs> you tell your mom I said thank you and don't ever call me again. And so if, if losing my scholarship in the end, not a, not, a, not a massive deal, but if I look at the life of my, the arc of my story thus far in my life, losing my scholarship was a moment to go, hey, you can't be the most important person in the world. Like you, you are unique. I believe that about every human being, but, but you're not better. I think this was wake up moment number two for me to go, hey, you also, um, you're also not less valuable than everybody else. You're equally valuable to every other person on earth. And you cannot survive by becoming the ultimate martyr and assuming that if you out-sacrifice yourself and give, there's a difference between service and sacrifice. I sacrifice. Sacrifice is the death of self to no gain because you want to be seen. Service is a loving and kind gesture made because you see your value and you believe there's more to be given to somebody else. Two very distinct things. I lived a large portion of my life in sacrifice mode, right? And I believe there's only one person on it that has ever walked the earth who's actually sacrificed. The rest of us, we just serve. We don't sacrifice. We attempt to sacrifice, but it doesn't work for us, okay? So I think I had this moment of going, okay, well, that can't be it either. So what do I do if there's these two truths, right? If there's this uh, if there's this belief that there is no one like me and there's this belief that says, but I'm also equal to everybody else. I don't have to be less than I can be equal. What does that mean? Uh, was in ministry for about eight years. Uh, ended up meeting my wife during that time. Got married back in 2009. Uh, realized about a, uh, end of 2010, I got offered what I thought was my dream job at the church. I was a jerk at the time. Uh, thankfully, I said no to the job. Um, I kind of took a break and took a step back. and was like, I need to, I need to, I need to not be in ministry full time. Uh, my wife and I started a wedding photography business because I know that makes perfect sense to everybody. Um, <laughs> so we did that full time for about five years. Really, for me, that was like buying a house, putting down roots, going to counseling for a long time. And, and I don't don't worry about. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question. This is a long way of answering it. Uh, went to counseling for a while. Really, for us, that five years was a deep dive in who we are. What does that mean? Uh, we had a rare privilege, like be self employed, go to therapy, come home and process for eight hours, and I have to go back to work. Like I, I we went through ten years of counseling in a three year period. But all that to say. How did I land here? The clarity, the ability to see. Uh, and I, well, I just keep it eat simple. I have spent my entire life attempting to figure out where I fit, where I belong. And if there is a reason and a purpose for me to be a part of people's life outside of my own ability to prove to myself that I'm valuable. And I say that because, uh, you know, when, and this is not a sob story. I'm, I'm asking, I'm saying this as a reflection. I'm asking everybody who's listening, I want you to do this for yourself. Because we all have a story that's running through our head all the time. Everybody does. Everybody has a narrative that's running. And mostly that narrative is either one of two things. It's either the stories that were told to you about you, right? That's all the things you've been told your whole life. You're too dumb. You're too slow. You're too weak. You're too sensitive. You're too emotional. You're too aggressive. You're too, T-O-O, anything that has T-O-O in it. 
anytime you hear that narrative, that's a story someone told to you. I got, I got a million of those, bro. I mean, I got, I got plenty. The second narrative is the stories you tell yourself about yourself. Oh, Darren, you're so this. Not T-O-O, but S-O. You're so this. You're so intense. You're so aggressive. You're so, you're, you're, uh, you, you work too much. You, whatever those stories are. Anytime those two stories meet, guess what you have? You have what I refer to as a lowercase t truth. I mean, it doesn't matter if it is real or it is not real. You believe it and you live on it all day, every day. And so I think as I begun, began to uncover these things, if like I would think one thing and I would hear somebody say something different, I'm like, that doesn't match. Why doesn't it match? They say I'm great and awesome. I have never said it to myself before. So either they're lying because they want me to feel good or there is something that I don't understand about myself that I have to find a way to get clarity on. I think if I, as, I, as I married my life experience and then I married that with eight years of ministry, which I just define as deeply caring for people, and then I married that with entrepreneurship, which is like we all know is like you wake up and you pray for the best and do your best and work hard and hope somebody sends you a check. You put all those things together. I think it's lent me to get to a place to go. I've been looking to see where I fit my whole life. It's the reason I have these big ass eyebrows, glasses, and a hat. I'm just looking for someone to go, I like that part. Eyebrows, I'm in. I like that guy. Hat, let's do it. You know? Glasses, he's a little bit old and reserved. Maybe he's like, anything I can do. Like, I spend, and I think for all of us, I think we're all doing that. I just think we've found, some of us have just found better coping mechanisms than other ones. Some of us have better veils to put in front that people don't ask us questions. Because how can I ask a guy a question who looks like that at this age and that kind of shape with that wardrobe and those things and those microphones and that plan and that I'm not asking that guy any questions. Mm. And we all, every one of us have some sort of barrier to entry that we create because if somebody actually saw us, I think for most of us, we're afraid they're not going to like what they see. And that, and that's a good question, Rocky, because I know this is, and I'll, I'll just speak personally. This is something for me that I've struggled with my entire life, right? You know, I always had the, the people telling me the twos, right? You're too slow. You're too this, you're too that you're not, you're not good enough. And then there's internally, like I'm so this, I'm so that my biggest fear always has been, I feel like I know who I am. All these other people will tell me other things that they think that I am. And all I'm trying to do is not let those people find out who I believe myself to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And how common is that with people? Because, you know, uh, you know, you hear things from, you know, my mom's my biggest fan. Right. And she's always, oh, you're this, you're that, you're this. My wife, another biggest fan. Like, you know, you're so good at this. You're so good at that. And it's like, I don't believe any of those. And I hope that you don't ever understand what I think about myself. And yeah. I mean, is that a common problem you see working with people or am I just that jacked up? No, bro. I mean, yes. Can I, can I get my answer? (laughs) I was going to say, can my answer to that question be yes? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But really though, right? Like I think one of our biggest fears as people is just being exposed for who we think that we are and not necessarily. But what you're saying is that is the lowercase T truth. Like what you say that you are is not, but that's what you believe to be the truth is not actually the truth. Correct. And I think where we have the ability to say what is the truth is where we transition ourselves from going, oh, this is just the way that I am, that I, this is the way that I am coded, like this is the way that people have assumed I am, to going, this is, how, this is my conviction, mm-hmm. right? Like when we can transition away from just like what people think into what we say we deeply believe, mm-hmm. one, of those is, one of those was like a windy road we can waver from. Mm-hmm. Oh, left turn, bam. Oh, left turn, bam. What are they saying? Oh, I'll do that. What does coach want? This. Mm-hmm. What do my boys want? Oh, this. What does my wife want? Don't tell her. Do only that on Friday, but do this on Right. That's not I'm saying uh, all of those stories. Yeah, we put all you put three lanes together. They're going different ways. They're going to crisscross like DNA and you can hop from one to one to one. Whatever makes you feel good about yourself with no distinct impact on anybody else, which, by the way, is false. There is impact. You just think there's not. You're not that protected and to be able to do that. I think, we again, it causes us to pause to go back to go, OK, my question to every person is I my statement is I want to help you find the conviction you need to build a life you believe in. And I define conviction as an unwavering, a, a deep belief you are unwilling to waver from. So that thing you think about you, Tyler, mm-hmm. that is inside that you know is true, it has to go from just simply being a level of confidence or simply being something that we call out to going, what is the conviction? Who are mm-hmm. you? Believe that, unwaver from that, and then everything else falls in line, right? Like we talked about it when we, we chatted before, that question I get the most. And this is, and this is for me new for this year. What's your number one goal? What's your sales? How many people are you going to talk to? How many podcasts are you going to be on? My number one goal for the year, I will eat breakfast and dinner with my family 300 times. 
No, that's it. That's it. Not every If it does not fit in that, the answer is no. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care who it is. I don't care how big your audience is. No, because that's me. I, I am a, I love God. I love my wife and I love my kids in that order. Nothing will change. That's not, I'm not going to sacrifice that because you need me. No, you don't. You don't need mm. me. You want me. My yeah. wife needs me because I'm married to my wife. I'm not married to you. So you're taking a stance. 100%. You're taking a stance. Uh, you know, listen, I, I think, you know, when we started off and we were talking and you mentioned looking out the window, um, that speaks directly to who I am. Cause I remember being a kid and I didn't, my father wasn't in my life and I can mm. remember my father saying, I'm going to come pick you up at a certain time. And I'm looking out the window all the time. Like he never mm. shows up. He just never showed up. And, yep. and, and then I'd, you know, figure out other things. So I would always, in my entire life, I've always looked at things differently. I've had so many scars early in my life that have formed me to today. Mm. And mm-hmm. Tyler is right. I think some of the things that we've done had to go through in sports in general is that your performance matters yep. all the time. You yep. are, you are damn near criticized 24 seven, not just by your coaches, you know, Monday, Sunday's the game, Monday morning, brother, 52, yep. 52 other guys in your, in, in the locker room is criticizing your play. Your coaches are, are, are criticizing your play. The fan base who are the, the, the armchair quarterbacks, are criticizing. So your, your whole makeup is something. So it's almost like come Sunday, man, I have to transform who I am. And I have, I've had to do this for years to block out all the negativity and become this superhero type of mentality. And then the game goes, is over with, and now I'm supposed to change back to the regular guy. And it, I don't know if it's ever worked that way. You know what I mean? I don't know if we've, we've ever can go back and forth. I've never been able to. I've always had the superhero mentality. And I've totally, kept totally. it going throughout the, the right. entire time. Yeah. And I, and I think, though, I think where we get into trouble, whether it's in sports, on the field, in our office, at our house, in our marriage, every one of those, when we believe that we have to be one thing because people are watching and something else when they are talking or in something else when it's someplace else, to me, that's where we get into, caught up. Who you were on Sunday, yeah. game starts at 7, and at 7.01, Darren then is the better damn be the same Darren when he walks in on Tuesday to go on a date. And it better be the Darren when it has his kid. And it better, that when we go back and forth, that's where we get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Is because we go, well, DC wouldn't need me to be this, but DC wouldn't need me this, and those would need those, and I have to be that in those three places so that everyone would like me. Mm. Think, yeah. think, in, 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 so for the three of you and the people in your life, and if you're listening, who have had the greatest impact in your life, the people who forget about their performance, forget about, and not because it's not important. I am, I'm, I'm not knocking performance. I'm saying performance is not the dictator to your value as a human being, because there's going to be a day where you can't live what you think you can live. And if that's the barrier for you to say you're valuable, it's going to be a long, long road. And for many of us, that road starts at what, 27, 28, 29, whatever that is. So that's a long way to not know. Mm-hmm. So to be able to take a step back and to go, okay, the people in your life who have had the greatest impact, I am, I'm almost willing to bet anything for any of us. Two single factors that person has had, every one of those people have had, is that they were consistent because you knew what to expect from them. And they were convicted and you knew exactly where they were standing. I want to I wanna back that up. In, in all of the locker rooms that, that I was in, and, and I was in a lot over my professional career, the men that I respected the most, and to your point, are the Matt Fortes. The Josh McCowns, the Justin Forsets, they were they were great players. They were good players. They weren't the best players on the team. You know, Matt Forte arguably may have been the best player on the team, but those guys were exactly those two things because they were consistent and they were convicted, right? And they yep. were and they were you know who they were, and they stood for something more than their performance. And it's yep. and it's funny though that. You know, I see that and I think back that those are the guys that I respect the most. Like it wasn't necessarily the JJ Watts that I played with or the Brian Urlachers or the the Tony Romos. I mean, the all great men. And and, I, and I'm not knocking those guys at all, but the guys that made the, the strongest impact on me were those men that I mentioned previously because of who they were in the locker room and they were authentic. And that was the other thing is that they were who they were and they they were they stood by their conviction. Because it didn't matter whether they played a good game on Sunday, on Tuesday, they were Josh McCown, Justin Forsett, and Matt Forte. They were consistent across the board. And so to and I look at those people and those are the people. It's like, man, that, 
those guys I respect as much as anybody that I've ever come across. And so just to, to validate your point, I know in my personal experience, those are the people that I've connected with. You, you know, you were talking about performing for other people and, and you might have to bill me for a, a psychologist uh, <laughs> appointment here. <laughs> Cause I'm sitting here thinking, I'm not trying to impress other people. I'm trying to outperform what I was as a kid mm. and the mentality I had growing up. And really mm. until I, my, I was in my early twenties, that's mm. what I'm trying to outperform. It's not necessarily for other people. Well, so what's your experience with that? Yeah, uh, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is no. on a certain level. Maybe it is I'm performing for other people, but for me, it's the battle of who I used to be to who I want to be. Yeah. So here's, here's a, here's a transition. I think almost, I mean, I wouldn't want to say hundred percent cause that's dramatic. You're not supposed to say it never and always, but let's say the majority, the majority of the folk, the, the four of us plus everybody listening, there's a, there's, there's going to be a distinct portion of our life where our greatest competition was everyone around us because our, our performance was the, the metric to go. Did we, were we have valuable? Did we exist? Did we not? How many interceptions do you have? How many catches do you have? How far did you go? What did you do? How long were you in the game? How many consecutive games? Everybody has a stat they can refer to be like, well, I didn't have any interceptions, but I played every game for 400 in a row. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, bro, that's good job. I'm glad you were out there, but you didn't do much. You know, like yeah. everybody has something we can go to, right? Right. Uh, but here's, here's what I hear you saying, but here's where the, to me the distinction happens. And I think it happens for everybody. Is here's, what, here's what occurs. Is we have a long time where we go performance, performance, performance based on what a metric somebody else created for us that we're trying to attain so we have value. Then what's going to happen is you leave the league, you leave the game, whatever it is, and all of a sudden there is no more comparison to somebody else so what happens is almost for all of us, we, here's the comparison. We go, now I have to become a better version, a greater version of myself to myself than I think I could be. And our competition no longer is the person on the other side of the field. It becomes the version of yourself you have. Your greatest competition is not any of those two dudes in the room. Your greatest competition is the version of yourself you have in your head that you think you could, should, might become. And so every day you wake up and go, am I that or not? And if not, you go, it was a wasted day. And if you are, here's what you go. Okay, that was good, but it's probably not going to work tomorrow. It might have been a wasted day. And we do that on repeat over and over and over because the version of yourself you have is now the competition. It's not the person across the room because now it's a totally different experience. And so I think where we are now, if we have position, any athlete, if you are not thinking about what you want your voice to say in five years from now today, in five years, you will say nothing. Mm. You absolutely have to know today, what am I going to be talking about in five years? And you better start talking about it now if you want people to pay attention. Because right now, people pay attention when your legs move. And if, you're, and if you don't have something to say out of your mouth now, what makes you think they're going to watch your mouth when your legs are idle? Yeah, true. Mm. Right? And so like- <laughs> Preach it. Are you preaching? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, my, hey, my on the floor only, right now. It's, <laughs> hey, it's only Tuesday, but we can make it Sunday. <laughs> right? And so I think that's the point you're making. I think the point you're making is going, okay, what, but I don't feel like I'm looking around being like, oh, I got to be better than Darren. I got to be better than Tyler. I got to be better. No, you're not. You're saying- I got to be better than the version of myself I have of myself. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's two things in that. I'm not knocking that. I think that's okay. That there's, there's motivation in that beautiful. But if there's not enough, if there's not grace and space attached to that motivation, you're going to die. Mm. Literally and metaphorically, you're going to die. And if there's not enough space to go take a step back and go, what is that version I have? And is that really what I want? Ask yourself the four questions and enough grace to go, Oh man, maybe I've been on the wrong path for six months to go, Hey, it is what it is. Now I'm learning. I'm seeing, I'm knowing I've spent some time in the mirror. So I'm going to, instead of looking out the window, I'm going to walk out the door and I'm going to go do the thing that I think I'm supposed to be doing because I've actually seen what I need to see. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So, okay. So you're a parent now. Um, and as, as your, your children, they grow older. Um, you know, I, I think one of the, one of the benefits of, of our culture now, as opposed to maybe our parents' culture is that, uh, we're a little more, you know, introspective of who we are, how we raise kids more associated with emotions. And, and whereas I think we were almost raised, it's like, Hey, work hard and you can succeed. Cause that's what our generation did. And that's what our parents yep. did. And they worked hard and they succeeded. Yep. So as parents that are listening now, how are, what are some tools that they can have to kind of instill into their kids so they don't have to wait until they're 25, 30, 45, making a transition where it's like, okay, it's do or die. Either I address these things to, mm -hmm. to, uh, one fine happiness, um, mm -hmm. and, and con not contentment. I don't want to use the word contentment as, as a negative word, like, okay, you're lazy, but like there is a sense of peace when you have that purpose that is driving you. Right. Yeah. So how, yeah. what, what can these parents be doing 
talking with their kids, leading their kids, um, leading by example with their kids that they could be doing to show yep. them so that they can be set up for success. You know, starting now, like you said, if you're, if you're planning on, on speaking in five years, what are you saying now? So yep. as parents, if you're planning on your kids going to college in five years, what can you be doing now to get them prepared for that? Yep. So I think uh, I would relate parenting the same way that I would marriage or any relationship that matter. But those two to me are the most uh, easily comparable. Uh, so if you think about marriage as an example, we're going to transition to kids in just a minute. If your marriage has something that is broken, the marriage is not the problem. You are. The, a broken marriage is because there are two broken individuals. Take broken how you want. Uh, un, unchecked things, you need counseling, issues, past trauma, uh, inability to reconcile feelings. There's a, I'm not, when I say broken, I don't, I'm not in, in necessarily inherently saying that there's something wrong with you as much as I'm saying there is something that is unaddressed that has given us the inability to deeply connect with another human being. Mm. Broken marriages because there's a level of selfish, selfishness that one or both parties have because they have the inability to see who they are and their value and they think every person is trying to take advantage of them. Broken marriage. Mm. So we take that same, that same metaphor, that same idea and like a parenting, right? Like, can I look at my dad and wish he was around more? Yes. Do I look at my dad and go, where was he at? Yes. So I look at my dad and go, I'm just, even now I'm 36 and every time I see my dad, I give him a hug and about the time I'm about to let go, he does it and he squeezes like two or three more seconds and then I know to let go. And even then I still get in the car sometimes and I just weep for 30 minutes on my way home every time I see my dad as a grown man. Yes, because there's still something about that I long for, that I want and I see, but simultaneously do I go, do I believe my work ethic came from my dad because I saw how hard he's worked my entire life every day, seven days a week? Absolutely. So I think uh, as us now, again, it goes back to maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm sounding like a broken record here, but I think a part of it to go think about parenting is you got to pause long enough to assess who are you? If you're a father, what, what kind of father are you? Do you want to be, do you see what matters to you? How do you want to be remembered? What are the things that, that, that are really important, right? Like n knowing and, and having the ability to, you, you gave us great examples. Talk to your children, lead your children, have a dialogue with your children. Here's one apologize to your children and do not say that you're sorry, ask for forgiveness. Like there are multiple factors and things that can occur that give us the ability in the same way you would any place else in your life. With my four-year-old, something I've learned to do recently, and again, it's not, I wish I had figured out a long time ago, is he, he, gets, he gets upset, he gets frustrated. And so I say, Ezra, come here. I don't want to. I say, Ezra, come here. No, Ezra. He crying. Come here. He stands in front of me. I sit on the edge of the bed or I sit on the floor and I make him sit in my lap. I said, I want you to put your hands on my face. No. I said, Ezra, I want you to put your hands on my face. And so slowly he takes both of his hands and he puts his hands on either side of my face. And I want you to think either for yourself and for me both. There has never been a time in my life where I have raised my voice, been angry or yelled when my child was standing in front of me with both their hands on my face. Mm. Think about your wife. Next time you're in an argument with your wife, walk up to her and I want you to put your hand on her shoulder. I want you to put your hands on her face. I want you to hold both of her hands and look her in the eyes and then say whatever you were going to say to her when you walk in the bedroom by yourself and see if you can say it. Mm. And you can't. Mm -mm. And so the same thing is to go with parents. As parents, what can we do? Look at them. Have a dialogue. They have feelings, emotions, and guess what? They do not have to do what you say because you said it. Why? Because they're a human being and they're making their own decisions. And is that really what we want to instill in our children? Hey, whenever somebody who says they are more powerful than you says to do something, you should do it because that's how the world works. Mm. No, that's how the world breaks. The yeah. world works when we, when we I, cultivate things. I just had that conversation <laughs> with my three-year-old this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you, you listen do, to daddy you, you because daddy said so. <laughs> What's our answer as parents? Like, why do I have to do it? Because I, I said so. I told you so, yeah. Because I said and again, so. And we take that down a level of history to go because that's what our parents said. That's yep. what our dad said. And that's what our grandpa said to our dad. And if our dad didn't do that, then our grandpa looked at our dad and was like, Come on, son, you better tell him what to do. Come on, whip his, you know, like whatever that is. And whether any of us would really repeat some of those same things verbatim or not, again, why does that, why is that? Like, I'm guilty of it too, saying the same, I'm saying the same, saying the same thing. No, I'm your dad. You are going to, you are going to take a lap and lay down because I said so. Yeah. Well, how right. do you deal and with it? Let me ask you this. How do you deal with, I, I think, you know, in growing up, you know, pride has always played a big factor in my life. And I'm sure it has for you, for you guys too, it's playing, especially in sports, you know, you got to have pride in yourself to get up in the morning and do the things, take care of your business, you know, go one-on-one -on -one with anyone, you know, it's just pride, pride, pride. And then trying to do the same thing. I mean, trying to raise kids and eliminate the pride factor, because I think the, my pride gets in the way of how I raise my kids. Cause I want them to be tough mm -hmm. and I want them to be mm -hmm. strong. And I, you know, you fall down, get up. 
Uh, and mm-hmm. that's the mentality. Give me, give me a nugget, just a nugget yeah. as a parent yeah. to, to, to step back from that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think everything that you are saying at a deep level for your desire for your children is a wonderful and beautiful thing. Resiliency, perseverance, integrity, um, fortitude. We could come up with a list of synonymous, beautiful words, but you did not say those words to me. You said, I don't want them to have the pride I have to get in the way of all the beautiful words we just made a list of. Right. Right. So when I hear the word pride, I don't hear proud. Those to me, those are not synonymous. I think we have made those synonymous because we don't want, we want to have an excuse for being an asshole. So we say, I'm, if I'm prideful, it's because I'm proud and I would go lie and all this imagery. No, that's just bullshit. That's not true. When, when I hear pride, I hear fear. Mm-hmm. Pride is just a manifestation of fear in a sexy way that we can get away with. Right. Right. When I have pride, why do I have pride? Probably because I'm scared of something. Why do I want to bow up? Because I'm afraid it's fight or flight and I'm not a flight. So you better get ready to fight. We call that pride. No, we don't. We call it fear. Fear elicits two responses, fight or flight. That comes from fear. Nothing else. Not proud, not strong, not resiliency, not, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So then to take a step, then take a step back and go, okay, what do we want? We want our kids. Do we want our kids to be resilient? Yes. Do we want our kids to be strong and courageous and bold and understand purpose and value and meaning? Yes. And do I want my son to also know that feelings are immensely powerful, if not the most powerful tool in the world. And when he has them, I want to know about them. Yes. Do I want to communicate how I feel? Even if I don't have an answer to go, Ezra, I can't talk to you because I am so frustrated with you right now. And I am so worked up. I don't want to yell at you. I don't know how I feel. All I know is this is not working. I need 10 minutes, please. Mm-hmm. And I might have to lock the door and go outside. Because I, I, uh, it's not a matter of going tough it out. You scrape your knee, it hurts. I scrape my knee, it hurts. And at four, you don't know the difference. I know that it hurts. Come here, let me hold you. It hurts. And the next time you'll probably wear knee pads. And if you don't, guess what? You're going to scrape it again. It's going to hurt. And we'll do that same thing on repeat. But our desire of pride to say, I want you to have this is because we're afraid if they don't, it's going to be a reflection on us. Mm. And that's fear. That's not pride. That's not resiliency. That's our fear being instilled in their life and us trying to put our value on what they have or don't have the ability to do in somebody else's eyes. Mm. Mm. All right. So, so, Somebody's listening right now. Uh, they've been they've been in a job that they've been doing for a long time. Um, they've recognized, hey, this isn't what makes me happy, but I've just got to do it. What would you say to those people to say, hey, the, you were meant for something more than this, or you know, the the sense of okay, this is my responsibility. I've got to provide for my family. Talk through that scenario because I think so many people get caught up in it and and. They either took advantage of the first opportunity that was in front of them or out of necessity that they get a job and they just got stuck doing it and they're, yep. and they're not, they don't love what they do. They're not passionate about it, but they just do it cause they do it. And then the next thought is, is the confusion between your purpose and what you're good at. Because a lot of people feel like just cause I'm good at something cause I'm good at football. That's my purpose. Like talk about the confusion between that and the difference between the two. But I know that was kind of a loaded question there with two completely different (laughs) thoughts. But, but first and foremost is like the people that are going through something and they feel like, Hey, I'm in a rut because I'm doing something that I'm just, I just do because I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to answer both those. I'm going to answer them backwards because I think the answer to the second one will help us give context to the first one. So that was actually that a good wasn't question. the stupidest that question. Wasn't good, that wasn't the yeah. stupidest you, question. I was like, "Jeez, <laughs> you just fell ass backwards into that one." Well yeah. done. <laughs> we'll get there. We're just going. We're just going to go backwards. That's all. I was I was following with you, and I just stopped. I'm just going. I'm going to go a little backpedal now. <laughs> so you said the difference. A lot of us get caught up between the difference in our purpose and what we're good at. And so I want to uh, use almost almost the same language, but I want to talk about our purpose and then our strengths. Okay. Um, what you are good at, your strengths, um, I refer to that as our how, H-O-W. So if you're still somebody taking notes, write that down. Your strengths are your how. Your skills are your how. It's not what you do. It's not, it's not why you do it. It's not your purpose. Your strengths are your how. So if you are an athletic individual and you are significantly more athletic than the average human being and you have skills and strengths, the how you do things is at a higher level than most, that lends you to have lots of opportunities for what you could do, Right. All, uh, all of you and everybody that, and, and people who are listening, um, like you all know that there are people who have an immense skill set, but regardless of their skills, 
they never aligned with their purpose and they never aligned with impact. And they kind of, you're like, bro, you are fast, but uh, it's almost like you don't have hands. So I'm not even sure why you, what you're running from because you, got, you can't do anything with those, right? Like we can all take people and go, yeah, their skill set through the roof. Uh, alignment of value and purpose, i.e. lacking, unsure what that person's going to do. So I think, and the reason I say we're going to go backwards, I think as it relates to a job you're doing, you're probably got a job or picked a job. And if you're not fulfilled, it's not because you don't have the skill set or it's not because you don't have the strength. It's because it's not aligned with a purpose. And so just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm. Right. And so when we think about our skills as the how, I've been a camp director, a pastor, a wedding photographer, and now a keynote speaker and consultant in the corporate culture space. But I've never done an interview or had a resume in my life. So how do all those things fit together? Very easy. I can tell you how. Because how I did them was exactly the same. My skill set is communication. My skill set is people. My skill set is the ability to create a deep connection, a short amount of time to draw you in, to have you trust me, to get to a place you don't let people normally get to without you letting me, letting you know that I was there. And once we're there, you actually like it, enjoy it, you dive deep. And next thing you know, it's been 30 minutes. And we've talked about some of your life you never had before. And I did that. I do that now. When I was a wedding photographer, I can say how many Saturdays I spent in a bathroom with a bride going, hey, look at me, I get your shit together. Because all those things out there you think matter don't matter. Dude, how many marriages I, I, have you broken up? You know what I'm saying? How many weddings have you crashed? You know what? We just save a, you just sign a waiver. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Right? And then when I was a pastor, and then when I was in, and then when I was uh, at Sky Ranch, and then all those things were done the same. They were all done the same way. How? They were done based on my strengths. But the intent and the purpose behind them, there's a reason I'm not a wedding photographer anymore. Because that's not my purpose. I don't want to do that every Saturday. If I'm going to have a space to dive deep with someone and have a dialogue, I don't want it to be in the bathroom while your makeup is messed up and you're worried about begonias or azalea <laughs> or flower. I don't, I don't, I, that's not my space. That's not what I want. So I think, uh, one, it has, a, again, broken record. we got to go back. Okay, there's, there's going to be a point where we're going to, at some point in the podcast, we're going to have a little thing. That means like we're saying the same thing we said before. It's just a nine-minute mark to say it again. If you don't know who you are, why you do things, how you do things, and what you do, we refer to that as identity mapping. If you don't have that language, you're arbitrarily going to shoot in the dark every day, hear a thud, and think you hit the target, and inevitably you just kill someone every day because you're just firing arrows in the dark, and you think you heard something, which means I think I'm doing it right. But you've never actually assessed why that is. So hide you up in a job that makes money that you don't enjoy, that you're only kind of good at, but you don't know what to do next because you don't have a language. You're illiterate. We are illiterate to our ability to have a commu to communicate who we are. We don't have the language to say how or why or what. So we wake up and we just do on repeat over and over and over. And we're frustrated. and We don't know why. Because we haven't stopped long enough to assess and to look in the mirror and say, what do I see? Why do I do things? How do I do things? What do I really want to do? How does that lend itself to having an impact that I believe in that's rooted in deep conviction to go, maybe, maybe you have a job you have because you built a lifestyle because you're unhappy and you spend $300,000 a year on stuff you don't need, but you don't know how not to because you're afraid if it went away, you wouldn't be happy, but you're not happy because you're at a job that you don't like because you make money to make money to support a life you don't love. Mm. So maybe do a deep assessment and go, maybe you only need 120 to survive. Maybe you only need 150 to live a pretty good life. And if that's the case, Maybe you got to make some changes, have some values on the wall with your family, make a decision for yourself to say, why do I want to do it? And if you can be happy with $82,000 a year instead of 400 and everything changes, have the job of your dreams, bro. Yeah. Mm. I'm the wrong but person. You, I'm the wrong person to ever give advice. Mm -hmm. Cause, Cause I can tell you this all my life. I've been just the opposite of what you just said. I've had so many people come to me and say, you know, I don't like what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And I'd say, you know what? You got, you got bills. <laughs> you gotta figure that shit out. You yeah. better, yeah. you better figure it out. I, I've heard you show say up. That before, You've yeah. heard me say that before, uh, right? Uh -huh. He said, "Grind through it." Yep. I mean, I, I mean, that's been my mindset. Because so, Darren, by the way, just handed over all the corporate speaking <laughs> engagements that he has over the next six months to Rocky. So he just admitted. I know. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Rocky. You just unemployed yourself. All that. <laughs> but it's the truth. It's the wrong thing to say to anybody yeah. because they got to find their passion and find their purpose. Uh, and do or, or they're always going to be unhappy. And those same people who I've given advice to, they've come back to me a year later, still in the misery that they've, yep. they've lived in. And I'm not giving mm -hmm. them the right advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, and, and, and I use the, I use the, the, the quote all the time. 
all the time. And it's, oh, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. And I always use the, you know, hard work will always outlast talent that doesn't work hard. And so I've always prided myself on the work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. And, and that's gotten in, in me into trouble in my marriage. It really has like, because I work so hard and I'm, I'm in the, the wrong proud, right? Pride. I'm prideful in how hard I've had to work because I felt like, okay, that's what got me to, you know, the, the highest level of athletics of, of my, of my goals. And it wasn't until older that I realized, okay, that had nothing to do with how hard I worked. It had to do with the plan that God laid out for me and that what, what mission and what impact I was supposed to make mm. and not even knowing that that's what it was and going through it and, you know, talking to some of the guys and, you know, some of the relationships that I created over that time, it had nothing to do with how hard I worked. It was, it was the impact that I made in the locker room to the teammates and to my teammates. But I still hold on to that, that pride of working hard and the harder you work, the more results you're going to get. And that's the equation. And you need to live by that. And there, and again, I'm, I'm not saying don't work hard. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all, but, right. but work in a direction that aligns with your purpose and you know, everything that you're doing right now, professionally, I mean, I mean, you're not getting paid to come on this, right? So this is, this is shows you and you're getting pulled all sorts of ways to come on and speak in this podcast and go speak to this company and do all these things. But you can tell that you understand, okay, I was designed to make an impact in people's life for them to find their purpose and their identity so that they can go thrive and feel the things that I feel now going through this career. And that's what I just encourage people that are listening, like search for that pause, hit that pause button and listen to who you are and who you truly are and what you truly want to accomplish, right? Ask those four questions backwards because I never have, I never stop to think about, okay, Hey, this is, what do I really want to do? What do I want my ultimate achievement to be? And then realizing I'm driven by my fears. I'm driven by those three questions on, okay, I'm doing the things because I don't want to lose these three things, or I don't want to be found out for this, or I don't want to be exposed. And so, you know, everything that you're saying right now in all aspects with marriage, parenting, professional, like that's, that's exactly what I need and I'm going through. And I know my wife, when she listens to this, she's going to be like, okay, um, go ahead and schedule something with Rocky because you're going to go see him on a weekly basis because all the stuff that he is saying, I've been telling you for the last 10 years. Yeah. So, of course, she, she's smarter. And listen, we, let's do this. Let's make sure we do that, yeah. that those that are listening right now, you can find Rocky at RockyGarza.com. Rocky, you got somewhere else that they can find you as well? Yeah, you can find me. There's, there's not a lot of Rocky Garzas out there. There's one more in DFW, but he's a little bit older and he plays bass. That's not me, bro. Don't click that guy. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so you can find RockyGarza.com. Uh, we work, te- work with team and organizations in development and uh, culture development as well as our RBA management process, and that's at StaffRetreat.co. That's StaffRetreat.co, both of those places. Um, if you are a man and you are a man of faith and that is something you want to do, pursue, or interested in, we have an organization called Wiser Sons. Um, that's mm. W-I-S-E-R-S-O-N-S, wisersons.com. That's a place for what we're talking about here, but specifically for men and men of faith, a place to land and just to be you. Everybody there's the same. We're all trying to figure it out. So if that's where you want to land. And then lastly, just uh, this, you guys will be the first to see or hear and know, you can go to killdoubtbuildconviction.com. That's killdoubtbuildconviction.com. We have a book, have a book coming out um, dedicated to literally everything we're talking about. How do we unravel the two stories of our life? How do we put truth to them? How do we figure out what the real truth is? Live a life of deep conviction. How do we kill the doubt, build the conviction, and move forward? And so you can get that there. Pre-order will be there um, sometime in the next couple of days, um, and then we'll get that to you. So Love any it. of those places, feel free and reach out. Uh, yeah, I got another question. Um, so anybody that, that runs any type of organization or an individual, um, you know, we talk about conviction and identity and, and following what, you know, what your purpose is and um, and being driven by impact as opposed to production. Um, and, but maybe a CEO's out there saying, well, if he comes in and talks to my team, are they going to quit my company and go follow what they're really passionate about? Speak to the value that you can bring to a company. And it's not that, Hey, I'm trying to get everyone to redirect their professional path. It's I'm trying to build the, build up your team so they can be, you know, more passionate, more productive, all the best qualities of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So here's, here's the reality. Less than, for, and, and, and my goal coming into your organization speaking is not to tell your people to go get their dream job because they're going to let you in a little secret. They're not going to, 
they potentially chose your organization because they are doing something they love. What they don't love is that we say we are one thing, but our actions show something different. Mm. And that's the space that I want to enter in. I don't believe that most people in their career hate their career and want to change. I think most people chose their career because they love it. I think where people come in conflict, specifically we'll use the millennial generation because everybody likes to talk shit about them even though they're awesome. Uh, <laughs> the reason they change job every two years. Uh, yeah, the reason they the reason they change job every two years is because in their interview, you told them your organization was one thing and six months into the job, you actually lied to them and that is not what your company is about. And so they said, I'm going to go someplace else so I can figure out our people really are who they say they are because that's where I want to be involved. And so just like general things, less than 34 Less than 34% of employees are in, say they're actively engaged in their work. Less than 30% believe their performance is managed in a way that motivates them to do work. And less than 39% of millennial employees believe they have consistent opportunities to, to develop their skills. Why? I'm not saying performance is not important because we have neglected the individual who we are expecting to perform and given them a metric that is not related to their humanity. It's simply related to our bottom line. And I want to see your bottom line increase because I want you to engage the heart of your people. I want you to be able to retain talent, to scale buildness, to create accountability. Why? Because I believe if we can tap into the humanity of who someone is, it gives them the freedom to express who they are. So when you go into a meeting, you don't say, here's a task list, good luck. You say, I value the fact that you understand that you're motivated by joy and happiness and what's going around you. I want to know how you're doing, how your family is and what's going on. And six minutes later, you can talk about your task list. They feel cared for and seen, and all of a sudden they are 10 times more productive than they were a year ago because you had the ability to recognize who they were as an individual. I'm all for production. I'm all for commerce. I'm all for business. I'm all for you, the fall of Roy Cardone going 10x next year. Let's do it. I'm in. Sounds great. Uncle Grant, Uncle G. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Like, I'm not mad about Uncle G. Like, let's, let's go do it. I hope so. But to do that at the expense of somebody else so that you can get something you didn't actually want to begin with, no, I'm not, I'm not in on that game. But to 10x because we have put people in a position for who they are and what they believe, I absolutely can get behind that. What do you, what do you tell people about goals? Uh, these guys make fun of me all the time because I like to write down my goals and, and be very. Yeah, I gotta right, see it. Right. I gotta be. I gotta be. I'm very visual. Whereas yep. you know, Darren might just set out to do something. He just it just he just does it. He just accomplishes it. Yeah. What do you, what's your? I mean, obviously, there's two yeah. different ways to, that you can go about it. What What do you tell people about goals? Yeah, I think goals are incredible. Um, I, I have a phrase a friend of mine used, I'm stealing from him, but I love it. To accomplish anything, you must write down something. And so Thank Darren you. can tell you, he, here's the deal. But hey, he has it written down. He just doesn't look like yours. It's brain. someplace. <laughs> it's, right? it's in there somewhere. He wrote it down somewhere. Otherwise, he would forget. He yeah, wrote it on a stone it, tablet it, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's a part of that that goes, yeah, you want to, you know, like, and I think, again, I think you had made a perfect point. Everybody's motivated in a different way. So let's go back. Here's the point. Ding. Back broken record. If you don't know who you are, how you learn, and how you remember, though, you're going to keep doing what you saw on Instagram, and it's not going to work for you because that's not who you are. You bought that journal again, but you hate journaling. Guess what? Bad idea. That's you bought great. the goal setting book, but you don't read. Bad idea. You like writing it down, having a journal and a handwritten notebook that's just got notes and notes in it because you like it. Okay, well, you better keep that everywhere you go. You better have that. And if you're not going to keep, it, you better get a pocket size to put in your back pocket next to your wallet. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever it is, if you don't know who you are you don't know what motivates you and you don't know how you're driven and you don't know how to stay on top of it, then you're just guessing like everybody else and you're never going to accomplish what you want. Okay. I got one for you, man. We're doing lessons now. So (laughs) (laughs) we're going through therapy right now. I'm telling you, Uh, this is going to be expensive. (laughs) How do you, when you first meet with a client as an individual, say a young man walks in and, and, uh, and wants to meet and, and you go through a session with them. How do you begin peeling back that onion? What are some of the things that you start with, with a, a client that walks in? Yep. Yep. So the first thing I do, the first 30, 45 minutes is going to be me telling you my story from the day I was born until whatever the day is right now. And I say that uh, because I, that's, that's the, that, is my, that is my deepest conviction and credibility certificate, diploma, credential that I have is to say I am going to bear my soul and share and expose who I am to you. Because if I don't do that, I don't feel like I have the actual right or ability to ask you anything about you next. And so I want to do that first. Uh, secondly, um, and this is a statement about, I think, about people in general. Um, everybody loves talking about themselves. Everybody loves being heard. Everybody wants to have something to say. And I think every individual in the world wants at least, they want a lot, but I think they at least want these three things. Here's what I found in the last five and a half years. I've taken 1,200 people or so through a process one-on-one in the last five years. Everybody wants these three things. Number one, everybody wants to know they're unique. 
meaning everybody wants to know there's something about them that is unlike anybody else in the world. And if you're like, nah, bro, not me. Yes, you. You're literally the fighting. My answer means you want to be unique. So with you, okay? Everybody wants to know they're unique. And I believe that's true. Identical twins shouldn't be called identical. They should be called similar twins. There literally is no one in the world like you. So check one, I want to be unique. Number two, we want to be affirmed for that uniqueness. We want there to be another human being that says that thing about you that I see is a good thing. That's humanity. That's a deep connection. That's vulnerability, intimacy, relationship. That's what that is. I see that I want to be unique and I want that to be affirmed. And number three, I believe we want to use that uniqueness for good. We want to know there is something about us that is uniquely distinct to us and we can use that for the good and the betterment of people. And so I think because everybody wants that, that's what ID mapping does. ID mapping step number one, I'm going to show you in 13 words why there's no one in the world like you. It's impossible. Step number two, every word we choose is going to be good. We're not talking about your weaknesses. Why? You already know those. You don't need to pay me for me to tell you what you suck at. You know what you suck at. You've been trying to get better at your whole life and it hasn't worked. Weaknesses. You don't need me to tell you that. You need me to tell you what your strengths are. You need me to tell you the beauty and what you value. You need me to help you understand what it is that you do that nobody else in the world does. And then I'm going to show you when we have all those words together, what can I do now? I'm just going to ask you a simple question. What do you love? What do you really love? You could give your life to anything. What do you love? Because if that's why you do it and how you do it and what you want to do, and you can attach that to what you love, it's 2020, bro. You, with the internet, you can find a way to make money doing it. Anywhere. If you can make money on TikTok, bro, you can make money with whatever your skill set is. I can promise you that. <laughs> True. So like, that, I think, what, how do people peel the layer? How do they get the onion back? How do they, because I think everybody wants to be seen on some degree. We all want to be exposed. And in the moment, here's the key though, right? In the moment of being exposed, we all want to know and believe that when someone sees it, they're going to stay there. And I think that's the beauty of going, when we work together, we don't work together for less than four hours. Why? Because it's going to take us four hours to peel the layer back in two. The moment someone exposes a part of themselves, I cannot tell you countless, hundreds, hundreds of times people have said, I'm about to say something I've never actually said out loud. And they met me 29 minutes ago. Why? Because they know I'm going to say it and then I have to be here and they're going to stay and they can't leave and we're going to see what happens. And so for us, same thing in your marriage, go on a date, ask a question. When they respond, say, hey, babe, I just want to know if you could rate me on one to 10, how would you rate my ability to, in the last 30 days to show you how much I care for you and how much I love you and you really feel like I, that you feel loved by me? Don't leave. Don't walk. Don't make an excuse. You better get your pen out and pay attention. And I bet the next time you ask her, it'll be a little kinder, a little softer, a little kinder, a little softer. And I guess what happens next time on the date, she's going to say, hey, babe, I just want you to know I'm so grateful for our time together and you asking me questions. It makes me feel really loved. Why? Because when the moment that we were exposed, someone was willing to stay with us. And that's, that's that thing I mentioned earlier though. I think, you know, that fear of being exposed and, and that's, that's summing it up. Like if we're exposed, will people stay, you know, or yep. when we actually are transparent. And I think that's one of the things, you know, the transparency, authenticity, that's something that our culture craves because yep. we are so hidden behind social media and so hidden behind technology. But we do as humans, we do crave that connectivity, but with that connectivity, how much of it is really, truly transparent. Right. And, and I think, and I think we have to be the people that go, uh, the challenge, the first challenge is not going when, when someone is exposed, will we stay with them? The first challenge we have to accept is when we expose ourselves, are right. we willing to stay there? That's right. Yeah. That's and exactly I think many right. of us, especially those of us, those of us that are, those that are athletes, uh, yeah, you're exposed and you weren't as good as you thought you were and you get cut. Guess what? They're not there. So it's time for you to flip the script and go, but are you going to still show up for yourself? Are you still going to look in the mirror and believe that it's valuable? Do you have a language for who you are when you can't run anymore? Do you have a, cause I can't answer that for you. I wish I could, if I could, I'd be I'd have a lot more money if I could answer that for you, but I can't, mm -hmm. but I can absolutely challenge you to go, Hey, I need for you to answer that question for yourself. That's All amazing. Right. All right, man. Uh, the finishing question we like to ask every one of our guests, if you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, where do you go and what do you tell yourself? I think I probably go back to the summer between sixth and seventh grade. Uh, we had moved to Frisco. My mom had just had a house built. We were living with a stepdad who was alcoholic. I was old enough to understand that what life was happening to me was not my fault, but I was still too young to feel like I could actually do anything about it to protect myself. 
I think for a long time I left, I went to my grandparents' house for the next, uh, for the rest of school. My mom still lived with him for a little while. For a long time, I always thought that the reason my mom and dad were not around was because it was my fault. Because uh, if I could have just done more, if I could have just shown up more, if I could have been nicer, if I could have, so there had to be something with me that was broken because why did my mom always choose men and why did my dad choose another family? And so I think I'd go back to the summer between sixth and seventh grade. I was, I was the biggest kid. I was the chubbiest kid. I was the slowest kid. I was the most unathletic kid. Uh, and I think I would have told him, hey, there's a lot of things right now that you don't get and you don't understand and you don't have to and you're not supposed to. But if you'll just make sure that you treat people kindly, you don't allow somebody else's fear or insecurity or own issue or trauma to be representative of who you are. You're going to wake up one day and you're going to realize that not only did you do everything that you could have possibly done, but you're going to wake up one day and you're going to say, I now have the ability to be a generational breaker, to change the course of life, not just for myself, but for anybody that I love that comes after me. And it's going to feel like you are making it up as you go. And that's because you are. But always remind yourself, Rocky, that you are not faking it. Mm. And doing something you've never done before does not mean you're faking it. It just means that you are the one who was brave enough to do it for the first time. Man, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Rocky, so much for coming on. Uh, again, this is Rocky Garza. You can find him uh, two places, staffretreat.co uh, as well as rockygarza.com. Um, again, I mean, if you if you listen to this podcast, yeah. you know the value that he can bring. Yeah, if you're a business leader, you got to have him yeah. come in and, and, and talk to your team for sure. I mean, or in the the individual, and you do work with individuals, correct? And so there yeah, is, absolutely. Yeah, so there's programs that he's got um, that that you can go through, and there's memberships that you can you know have access to a lot of the resources that he does that he provides and that his team have, have really just really focused all their energy on being able to uh, make uh, a human find their potential yeah. and, mm -hmm. and, and, and be what they were designed to be. Um, so again, rockygarza.com, staffretreat.co. Rocky, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this wisdom. Um, I know just going home, I'll be a better husband, yeah. father, uh, colleague, um, you know, follower of Christ just because of, just because of this time that we had today. And, and I can't imagine yeah, spending and, more time and I'm, I'm looking forward to spending more time with you. Yeah. Let me piggyback on that. And this is our second time talking. This first time on the podcast of Rocky, but we've spoken to him twice now. Mm -hmm. And in those two conversations, he has literally touched on things that I need to work on in my life. Mm -hmm. And I'll, when I asked the question about peeling that onion back, I'm talking to myself. I'm, I'm the guy that showed up to, at your office and I appreciate you for giving me that free therapy lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We never tell anybody this Rocky, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Rocky, he, he's fun. Rocky Garza is phenomenal. And mm. if you're listening out there, you need to go to his website, check him out. Uh, I know I'm going to be working with him at some point and hopefully our, mm -hmm. our entire team at ESRP will be working with you at some point as well. So thank you, Rocky. That's are, right. are you on YouTube and, and Instagram and the social media as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. in, yeah. Yeah. Instagram is at Rocky Garza. Facebook is uh, Rocky Garza and YouTube. Uh, same thing. You can just search Rocky Garza there as well. And then if you're interested, we have an online platform at $49 a month, which I think is super cheap. Uh, it has access to multiple coursework around clarity, confidence, building meaningful relationships, as well as every podcast keynote and workshop we've ever done online is all recorded there for you mm. to have. Awesome, That's man. awesome. Well, thank you, Rocky, so much for coming on, man. We look forward to talking to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right, Thanks, man. guys.